0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 19th episode of Bottled. This episode is with a special friend of mine, Eddie Webster. The thing special about Eddie is he is a thinker. He does detailed critical analysis on issues or subjects that I tend to miss sometimes, and that's one of the reasons why this conversation is so incredibly interesting for me. In this episode, we see a whole new side on some important topics such as sustainable energy and how we aren't doing enough. We then talk about space expeditions in search for a new home or resources. Then Eddie compares nuclear weapons of today with atomic bombs of the past and the war. Then we talk about COVID-19 and how that matches up with pandemics of the past and pandemics of the future potentially. Then we talk about how sharing economies have revolutionized the service industry, and interestingly, if or not, it could diminish individual differences. This is the first part of the podcast. The second part, we talk about karma, the meaning of life, and if or not, everything happens for a reason. Then we talk about the pillars of a functional society. Please enjoy. Do you ever have this uh, feeling when you're in the shops and you're like, you're really craving for something sweet, something of yeah. sugar. Yeah. You look at this tub of ice cream and you're like, should I buy it? Should I not? Should I buy it? Should I not?
1: And you're like debating with yourself. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: And then you finally buy it and and you come home, you finish it. You finish it off. And you're like, fuck, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> that's so that's <Sir> Tom, right? That
1: is right? yeah. He has that guilt regret every single night. I know.
0: And just letting you know, Tomo is in the room with us, but more no import- people, what up? <laughs> Tomo's in the house. Oh, wow. What a, what a spoiler. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but more importantly, we have Eddie in the room today. What's up? Edster. <laughs> the Edmeister. Ed it's <laughs> finally happened, man.
1: Yeah, I know. It's been a long time coming, eh? I know. Yeah. Thanks so much for uh, having me. Of course, man. Yeah.
0: The podcast uh, without you in it, honestly, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been possible.
1: Oh, thanks, brother. Yeah,
0: and for those listening, if you don't know already, because I've shared this quite a few times um, yep. during Thomas' uh, podcast as well, um, the first person that I met um, in Canberra, the first literally the first new guy or new person I met in Canberra, and yep. a friend I made has been you. Oh,
1: I'm touched, brother. (laughs) I'm really touched. (laughs) That's because
0: of the person you are, man. Don't need (laughs) to be thankful. Cheers, bro. Cheers, man. Cheers. Yeah,
1: cheers.
0: Right, so yeah, man. What what a journey it has been. It has. It has.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's been a pleasure, like getting to know you as well. Like during the whole Airbnb thing, and I know and we shared some great moments as well. I know, know yeah.
0: <laughs> and like Tom mentioned it's already been recorded. now. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, know. Um, I know. Eddie, no, no take back, so. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, nothing's off limit, but um, but yeah, um when when we uh when I first moved into your place um as an Airbnb guest, uh you did have uh, quite a bit of uh trouble with your car as well, a small accident. Yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yep. It was a bit of an unfortunate time. Yeah. Cuz I had um just had the breakup mm. with my ex and um and then i had like a car accident like a couple of weeks later yeah so i'm like how how much more wrong can my life go you and, know uh, and then i met sahil <laughs> <laughs>
0: even worse but i think i mentioned this to you when i when i was there um i, I think we both met at a very weird time in our lives mm. i had just moved into canberra and you had your things going on in the background. Yep and i think um because of that um friendships or this friendship in particular it really flared off
1: yeah yeah no definitely um it's funny cuz when I, I remember when you first arrived and um i was kind of thinking i saw the other two people like your friends from sydney Mm. and the first thought that popped into my head was holy shit i've got to like host three people for like a whole month (laughs) and (laughs) i'm like how the fuck do i do this and i remember (laughs) and i had this look on my face and of horror and i was so horrified i was like that's it. I actually know it's one person not three and I'm like I, how do I break it to them like, I know
0: the, I saw your reaction and I knew what you were thinking <laughs> right? and I knew what you were thinking and before I could clarify that they're just dropping me off Yeah, yeah. you said no no you didn't say anything no I, sorry I do apologize no you didn't say anything but I saw your reaction yeah. and then I said and then I voluntarily mentioned that they're just dropping me off and yeah. they're, they're gonna leave and then you said oh that's what I thought you wouldn't be able to fit three yeah, people in the room yeah
1: yeah and then I was like like thank God, <laughs> yeah.
0: And I stayed there for what twenty eight days when I moved. Twenty eight days,
1: yeah, that's yeah. right. Best twenty eight days of my life. <laughs> <Honestly>.
0: <laughs> but I'm not even being sarcastic. It's, it was it was really good. It uh, was especially, good, especially uh, because of the conversations that we had and the the moments that we shared as well.
1: Mm. Like I think, great thing about Sahil, um, if you're if you're listening <laughs> to that's a, that's a review, there is um is a very easy person to talk to. And I feel like you can talk to him about anything. Like it could be serious topics or like jokes or laughter or whatever. And he has that ability, that amazing ability to talk about anything. And I think that's rare in a human being, you know. (laughs) So I think you deserve that credit. Thanks, man. And the same
0: goes with you as well. Uh, I think that's why um, it was just very easy and the time just flew because um, as human beings, And we'll talk about um, later in the podcast as well. As human beings, we've got to be open-minded. Yeah, I mean, there are things that we both don't believe in. And there are things that goes against our philosophies. And we just can't seem um, to be on the same boat. However, as human beings, as people who've communicated for thousands of years, Mm. we've got to be able to listen and sort of take it in. And then judge, is it right? Is it not? What facts do I have Mm. to sort of fact check it and uh, then proceed from there?
1: Yeah, no, that's true. Um, And I think like one of the things that I've noticed about society is that people tend to shy away from like the serious topics like Mm -hmm. religion or politics. And they'll say, you know, don't talk about religion or politics at the dinner table, Yeah, you know? But I feel like these topics are kind of what do bring us together and what, you know, create maybe at times difficult conversations, but they lead to new knowledge mm-hmm. and and they lead to new pathways and you might, you know, even encounter a change in your life. Yeah. You know, but if you're shying away from those discussions and you're just keeping to the ordinary, you're just going to stay the same and you're not going to evolve, you're not going to develop as yeah. a person, you know, so...
0: Just like coding, um, it teaches you how to think. Like when mm. you're working on a code or a mathematical problem, mm. like you said, the more you discuss about a certain topic... Yeah. But you've got, to, I guess, you've got to have that ability as well to sort of take something in and make that judgment because some people can't make a judgment and tell that's right or wrong.
1: Yeah. Or um, well, they don't want to. Yeah. That's okay. that's another thing. Because I've had like a, a few, Air, like, well, I, I should say a lot of Airbnbs, like mm-hmm. before and after you and. Um, They just, they don't want to have that discussion and they'll always relate it back to something more mundane, Mm -hmm. like something on TV or something boring, you know? Yeah. And then you know to kind of change topics. Yeah. Like it's a very subtle reminder, oh, you know, they're saying I don't want to talk about this Mm. and so you change topics. But with you, you full on launched into it. Like you talked (laughs) about the meaning of life. I know. To eat and to even like the funny past with your spinach eating monster days (laughs) yeah so the thing about saheel is when he was staying at my place i used to make a joke about him where um he would go through an entire packet of spinach every night sitting next to the couch every single night there's nothing healthier
0: (laughs) than spinach from a bag and
1: then so we naturally developed a nickname for him the nickname is popeye
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly and that's that's a good name that's a good nickname it's perfect right And your nickname, Eddie's nickname, is I'm a foodie from Melbourne or <laughs> Mr. I'm a foodie in brackets. Uh, Take in, a uh, shot. because <laughs> Eddie is a massive fan of Melbourne and yep. you're from there. Melbourne, okay. represent. <laughs> <laughs> um, apart from food, what do you love about Melbourne?
1: Oh, gosh. It. Well, <laughs> I would say there's a lot of good hiking spots. Hmm. Um, like back... I was with my ex and, you know, I used, we used to travel all around Victoria mm. and we'd go down to, um, you know, the South Coast, so, you know, all the way to Mornington Peninsula and then on the other side, the West Coast, past along down the Great Ocean Road, you know, Polo Bay, you know, visited the Twelve Apostles, did all these mm. waterfall adventures, like, you know, we're trying to tick off as many waterfalls as we could. Yeah. Um, And I think it's really good for nature, you know what I mean? Like to get out there, do do a lot of bushwalking. Yeah. Um, And I think it has a lot to offer. But I think the great thing about the ACT is that it's a lot more accessible. So, like, we can jump in a car, you know, and we can do a hike within 40, 45 minutes. Exactly, yeah. You know, from here. Whereas in Melbourne it would take more than an hour, like probably like close to two hours. Really, there's a hiking
0: spot right there.
1: Yeah, next to my house. Yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah, it's
0: crazy. Like in ten minutes you could get to the entrance and then you start a nice hike on Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah, that's the beauty of ACT. And um, yeah, I agree about Melbourne as well. And I've never been to the Great Ocean Road. Yeah, Um, but um, I do agree, and not just Melbourne in particular. I just feel like this country is very beautiful. We've been blessed with nature. Yeah, we're very lucky. And excellent air quality as well. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it just makes it easier to sort of go around. And especially the fact that the coronavirus is a thing of the past. Yeah. Almost, not entirely, almost. Yeah. Just makes it easier to travel this country.
1: Yeah, except when, um, you know, we had the, the, the bushfires. Oh. And at one point, ACT has the, had the worst quality um, air quality in the mm. world. Yeah. Um,
0: were there a lot of fires around us? Yeah. Miami so they
1: were in in south. So close to Tharwa, oh, close okay. to um, Nemaji yeah. National Park. Down. I was in way. Sydney
0: uh, back then. I was working in the CBD um, on the thirteenth floor, and you look outside, and then you see a massive uh, this thick smog around you, mm. and you think, "What the hell is happening?" Yeah. Like it's it's like Armageddon. Something's, uh, it's uh, something, it's like an explosion's happened a hundred kilometers away. Yeah. Because you've never seen anything like this uh, before. Mm. And uh, that's when um, this consciousness or um, this belief that anything could happen if uh, Mother Nature wants. Uh, it's become more prevalent in uh, in the country as well.
1: It's it's kind of scary, yeah, yeah. what Mother Nature can do. I, I think in some ways we undermine it. Yeah. And it's not until something happens and we look at the situation and go, oh, wow, we should be doing blah, blah, blah. Yeah. However, we haven't been doing any of that, mm. you know. Um, mm. mm.
0: Tomo has, has an input. What was that again? <laughs>
1: Um, I just think it's like what we're doing to Mother Nature. Uh And then the bushfires and all those other terrible things that have been happening in the environment just demonstrates that we haven't been caring for Mother Earth the way we should. Mm. Yeah,
0: Here's what I'll do. I'll just give my seat to Tomo and he can tell.
1: But no... Thing about Tomo is that he's the attention seeker. <laughs> <laughs> he, he had to chime in. Did you think
0: if, before this started? Did you think this was going to happen? At the no, meeting? I didn't
1: even think it was going to be in the room. To be honest, I was expecting him to be out of the room, <laughs> and now he's stuck. Yeah, hiding um, <laughs> under the bed. He um he, he couldn't resist, so he had just had to be here. <laughs> he had to be in my presence. You exactly. Know, so. yeah. And if you see, uh, it, oh,
0: hold on. if you see. <laughs> If you see the camera shaking there, uh, that's pointed on Eddie. Uh, that's because Tom was on the bed and he's yeah. sort of shaking it.
1: Um, and he's doing um, undisclosed activities. Yeah. yeah. He's just
0: trying to distract us from this, uh, this awesome conversation. But no, I agree um, with what Tom said as well, that we didn't have the um, the awareness mm. that is there now. Yeah. And a lot has happened in the past two years. Incredible things. Um the, the natural disaster of course the bushfires and yeah. the, obviously the pandemic as well
1: mm, mm. yeah 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 a lot of um a lot of wildlife has disappeared as well yeah. i think that's one thing we don't particularly like to look at like we see oh you know all that bush is destroyed but we're also destroying natural habitat yeah as well
0: you billions know. of animals right from what i've heard
1: billions yeah. yeah i remember the figure for kangaroos it was something ridiculous like it was like 50 million or something like Oh. It might not be the correct figure, but it's something, like, ridiculous. It could be. If yeah. billions
0: of um, animals were dead, Yeah, like 50 million kangaroos, Um, um I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised.
1: And it's horrible. Like, I remember seeing one picture um, online, and it was a, a picture of a, a small joey, mm-hmm. baby kangaroo, and it was actually stuck in the fence, and it was completely burnt to a crisp. Oh. And I just couldn't imagine how much it would have to have suffered yeah. You know, burning mm. to death. Yeah. Which would be just absolutely horrible. Yeah. So.
0: And see, as sad as that is, mm. it's even sadder that, and I'm trying to say this with utmost respect to everybody yeah. uh, Australia is a very popular country. Yeah. Um, and it became more prevalent because it happened here and these things like bushfires or even um, animal cruelty what have you like deforestation they happen in so many places around the world which we don't know of Mm. Uh, i think uh, i did a presentation many years ago it's like six six years ago and uh, i'm not sure what the correct figure is yeah someone might want to double check this uh but um google it (laughs) (laughs) every minute I think every minute we're destroying 140,000 hectares of forest yeah. or something. It was it was a crazy figure. Mm. And we'll, we'll probably look this up um, after the podcast as well. Yeah, And the fact that it happened here, we started get, getting more attention.
1: Mm. So interesting fact right there. So let's, I don't know what the figure is now, mm. but in the 1960s, 70s, they did a report mm-hmm. about the US, right? And about how many resources it was consuming. Mm. They did a pretty rough estimation. Basically, what they found is that they would need about three Earths uh-huh. of resources just to supply the United States. Wow. Like, if, it, if everybody had been consuming, like the US had been consuming resources. Mm.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. So, if every country on Earth consumed yeah. the
1: way the US consumes. You would need three Earths. Wow, man. Yeah, it's crazy, right? it is and that was that study was done in 1960
0: 1970
1: and it's so, 2021
0: it's like 61 years could now. you
1: imagine how much they would be using now like yeah i mean hopefully you think it reduced but mm. yeah
0: so the us is one of the biggest consumers obviously the population matters as well yeah. i assume it's china and india as well yeah yeah but even then that's 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 crazy what we're doing to earth and the fact that people want to go to space like go colonize mars or any yeah. other planet um i think it's got um it's like two edges of a sword Mm. like you could invest the money spent on space expedition on other things like sustainable energy or you could do that and sort of like find a new earth yeah and um as as a civilian as a citizen of a country um i'm confused like what do you do like we're sort of destroying planet earth
1: yeah no I, i think that's a good observation um I think also, you know, those that want to colonize space, right? I think there is a kind of an ulterior motive there. Mm-hmm. And then you see, take a look at the earth, right? Right yeah. now, we're running out of rare earth minerals. So, like, you know, titanium, lithium, which we need to, you know, for our smartphones, mm-hmm. computers, etc. cetera, um, all this technology. We're running out of it right now. There's not mm-hmm. much left. And so, naturally, we know that these rare earth minerals exist on other planets. And so i think the next frontier in terms of space space exploration will definitely be space mining Mm -hmm. where we inhabit another you know another world um purely for the for the reason of um, mining it and then sending those resources back to earth you know yeah um to be able to supply those minerals that's that's crazy if you think about it yeah
0: that's just crazy, and small things that we do every day, I think, leads to that. The mm. fact that we've got to leave home and go somewhere else to sort of—it's like a red alarm now that it's—it's it's time. It is, yeah. And uh, so many people, um, so many studies have said that we are doing good things in terms of sustainable energy. We're mm. trying to not waste resources, but it's already late. And the the way the population's increasing and the way we're consuming these resources, yeah. Um, we should have done this sixty years ago
1: exactly yeah and that, and like let's take a look at population right so you look at all the big mm. populous countries like china india right mm. and they they make up the majority of the world's population um and you look at western countries like the us australia europe right and right now they make up a very small proportion of the overall world population yet they consume a disproportionate amount to their mm. less wealthier asian neighbors right yeah and you have to remember, like something like a billion or more than a billion people live on less than a dollar a day. I mean, this includes sub-Saharan in Africa. It, you know, if you include Southeast Asian countries, yeah. you know, Thailand, Bali, you know, in, mm. in Indonesia and all that. Like it's a very low amount of money to live yeah. on per day. And so where, like you were saying earlier, like we're very lucky to yeah. be where we are. <clears throat> Yet we have to remember that we make up a very small amount of the world's population yeah and so could you imagine if everyone else was consuming like we were like i don't think there would be enough resources to be able to account for that
0: yeah maybe balance is not the right word that i should be using but it's sort of it's working well but not in the best way we should be doing because of the world the way the world is
1: yeah so it's not equal basically it's It's working for the wealthiest of us yeah which includes us Mm. you know
0: you know just today um, I went to Woolies and it was raining um, I didn't bring an umbrella yeah and this lady um, who who had these um, shopping bags like three um, bags of grocery yeah um, she was headed uh, for the car park towards the car And it was raining like it was raining cats and uh, and dogs outside. And what she did is literally, yeah. (laughs) Uh, What she did is go into a small grocery store and purchase um, a plastic bag and put it over her head, maybe to protect her hair. And then went to the car park, and then um, put the groceries in the car, took the bag out, and then discarded it and got in the car and uh, no, in the bin. Uh, Yeah, but it just made me think like. That plastic bag's probably going to be yeah. in the ground for thousands of years. Yeah.
1: Probably. So, another interesting fact. Mm. So, it takes one plastic bag around 10,000 years to mm. mostly decompose. There you go. And then to, to completely decompose, it's something like one to five million years. Yeah. Because what happens at that point is that after the 10,000 year, 10, years, it's broken up into very, very small fragments called microplastics. Mm. And then once it's at that microplastic ch- um, stage, it enters the food chain. Yeah. So, like, people that eat a, eat a lot of seafood, they tend to consume a lot of microplastics because, you know, we're littering our ocean with a lot of this yeah. plastic and we end up eating it and then, it, you know, it goes into our bodies and then it affects all our neuro- neurological sy- um, systems yeah. as well. Um, so, it's like this cycle... This mm. food cycle that's Yeah, going we've on. already
0: poisoned it. We've already, we have. We've, we've already, already infiltrated it. Yeah. yeah. Like the fish you have uh, from the supermarket, regardless of how um, how much of a best quality meat they um, they claim it to be, yeah. it's not going to be pristine fish. It's not going to be the same mm-hmm. fish that was there probably a thousand years ago. because Because like you said we've already done so much to the ocean there so the uh, so so much of uh, plastic and waste goes into the ocean that it's already disrupted the the ecosystem
1: Mm. and even without plastic like you look at say look at the acidic profile of an ocean right and you look at the past 50 years or so even 100 years the acidity levels have risen dramatically Mm. and that's due to like oil pollution so like you know all the oil spills that go on most of which are unreported you only hear about the ones in the news that are reported so like the really big oil the big ones yeah right um and then all the other like you know countries in the world which don't have adequate regulatory systems to deal with environmental Mm. pollution so like really poor countries like you know south america africa where they literally literally just dump the you know trash into the ocean yeah and that you know enters the um ocean currents mm. and as you as you may or may not know the ocean currents travel around the whole world mm. and so recently a study came out in nature magazine right a couple of months ago and what they found is that have you heard of the mariana trench
0: i have the deepest uh, the deepest, deepest place,
1: the place deepest. in the earth right yeah. they managed to find micro microplastic at that level and they even they even managed to fa- find a full plastic bag oh <laughs> wow <laughs> a full plastic bag so, the fact that we've, been, we've managed to push so much plastic pollution into the ocean, the fact that the ocean is so large, mm. right? Because you have to remember, um, land mass is only about 30% of the world, right? Yeah. Most of it's ocean. So, we've infiltrated every single place of the earth right now mm. due to our... Our great ways. <laughs> yeah. Maybe
0: not Antarctica. Maybe that's... Uh, <laughs> no, even Antarctica. Really? As dumping yeah, grounds? Yeah.
1: They found... No, not dumping grounds, but they found nice. microplastic pollution. So, like, there's a US base mm-hmm. in Antarctica. Yeah. And a couple of years ago, and this is years ago, it's probably more now, they managed to find heaps of microplastic pollution there. So, very yeah. small fragments. So, they did, like, a um, an experiment where they would grab some water from, Mm. you know, and you'd think it'd be the most pristine water in the world, but but they still found microplastic fragments. Yeah,
0: so it's literally
1: gone everywhere, right? It has. There's no place where it hasn't been touched. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's just crazy. I I wonder how it was um, a thousand years ago Mm. when there weren't so many um, automobiles or computers, electricity. Yeah. It must have been so clean. Think about it. Oh, yeah. There is no machine.
1: No, there is
0: no. not a single machine that uses petroleum a thousand years ago.
1: There were horses, but it was yeah. all natural. It, it was all natural, you know? yeah. And then even when they, you know, did their business, we would use that as fertilizer mm. for like crops and stuff. And so it was a full cycle, but with no unintended effects.
0: Yeah, you know? I was reading this book um, by Stephen Pinker. It's called Better Angels of Our Nature. And the whole, po- have you read it?
1: No, but I've read another book, a book of Stephen Pinkle. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: the whole point of the book, the, the one message that he's trying to relay is uh, this point in time um, is the best, the safest time to be alive.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: And he gives uh, facts and reasonings uh, uh, in terms of um, sustainability or yeah. sustainable resources, mm. crime um, as well. And um, I'm not sure when that book was written. Since the 1960s till 2021, a lot of a lot has happened. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, that's why personalities like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. Uh, there was something on the news that he wants to go to space and be there for a few minutes by himself. Yeah. Um. So these things. That's why they're happening. At first, when I was a, when I was a child, I thought, "Oh, okay, you want to go to space because you want to explore." Hmm. But like you mentioned correctly as well, you're going to space because you're scared to be on Earth and you you want to search for an alternative. Yeah yeah it's just crazy it is
1: it is um it's a pretty interesting and scary time to live in right now like we're living at a stage in human history where we're living at the precipice Mm. and And the decisions that we make right now as a society right and as a humankind will influence future generations yeah for thousands of years um and depending on whether we survive that long as well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you mean a thousand years from now on? Yeah.
1: So, so just to give you an idea, um, the atomic scientist, mm-hmm. you know, regular magazine publishes a couple of times a year. They have what's called a doomsday clock. Have you heard of it? No. Basically, it's a clock, right? And you have, you know, from 12 to 12, right? And the closer it is to the, to the 12 hand, the closer humankind is to disaster, Mm. Now, right now, th- this group of atomic scientists—they're they, very intelligent. You know, yeah. they, they study trends around the world. and They look at potential nuclear catastrophes and you know potential mm. scenarios, and they look at climate change mm. and all that. And all these potential scenarios. Um, and now, take a num- Take just just have an estimate of where that hand is, um, and how close it is to the to the twelve. I think fifty-one. Right now, it's at 58. 58. But
0: mm. um, well, what's the scale of, to move from 58 to 59? How many years is that? What do you mean? Depends, um, so, you said... so uh, You know how the clock moved from zero to 12?
1: Yeah. So, it, so zero is like no risk. Uh-huh, yeah. And then the further you go, yeah. the more risk there is. So, if you, the fact that we're at 58 uh-huh. is a very high risk scenario. Oh. And the reasons they gave for that... Climate change predominantly, mm-hmm. but also nuclear weapons. Mm. So, the other issue that we have is nuclear weapons. So, let's go back to the Cold War. Yeah, right at that particular time, you know, Soviet Union Russia versus US, the US had around 30 000 to 40,000 nuclear weapons, Russia had even more and had around mm-hmm. 45,000 nuclear weapons. Now, there was an estimation made about 20 years ago, right the amount of atomic bombs that w- so you know you look at the atomic bomb that was dropped on hiroshima yeah. right during world war 2 right in japan and um they did an estimation based on how many of those atomic bombs it would take to completely annihilate the world mm. now t- guess how many that was 12 it was about 100 mm-hmm. right but just to give you an idea back then there were like i said 40,000 mm. and 30,000 on each side and it would only take a hundred to fully destroy the world oh, wow right that's insane right you're you've multiplied on nuclear weapons even though you don't need it you don't need it you only had a hundred to fully so it was just a race to kind of get as many as you could now yeah. now look at the situation now right mm. so they they did another study a couple of years ago and they compared you know the atomic bomb back then to nuclear weapons right now. Now, one nuclear weapon is about 10,000 times more powerful than that atomic bomb. Wow. Right. So, that's just to give you an idea Now we don't have the data on how many the U.S. and Russia have Um, at this point in time. At this, there is a rough estimation. So the U.S. has apparently something like eight thousand. Yeah. Russia has about six to eight thousand as well.
0: What are they trying to do with all those weapons? It's like who are you trying to destroy? (laughs) (laughs) Right.
1: It's just it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's just the mad principle. What's that? What's the mad principle? Mutually assured destruction. Oh. It's basically like the. Well, the more if you yeah. have more arms than the um, the enemy, uh-huh. then essentially they're not going to attack you.
0: Ah. Yeah, so it's, so ba- it's like a defense the most, has the most power.
1: So it's based mm-hmm. on um, the the uh, realism principle, which is, is in international, international politics. politics. We, yeah. So basically, that means that you want to be in a position where you have enough defenses in your state mm-hmm. to kind of signify to the other state that, oh no, we're not going to attack them because they're far above us in mm. terms of capability, yeah. weapons capability. Mm. And so, that was the whole point. It was just kind of posturing. Mm. Yeah. And they use that term international race. It's basically international posturing. And if you're telling the other country that you're kind of in a bit of a dual battle with, that, you know, mm. look, I've got 40,000 and then the other one's like, I've got 30 40,000 too. Yeah. You're, there's this idea that you're less likely to attack each other because mm. of that reason. Because you're both scared yeah. of that potentially... Mutually assured destruction, which could occur, Mm. right?
0: It just sounds like things done wrong. To be honest, I mean that's that's a that's a theory that they there is. It's a theory that's there. Yeah. But an easier solution would be to not make these weapons. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, and it just sounds like they've done the thing. They've made a mistake, and now you've got to come up with these stories. And it's just that's yeah. Yeah,
1: it is power, um, and, and, and you know th- they have agreements so that you know US and Russia do have, and they have they've had agreements since the Cold War ended mm. to kind of reduce their nuclear weapon stockpiles, mm-hmm. and that it happens. has reduced. Mm-hmm. Now, like I said, we don't know what the data is because either side could be keeping stuff away from the public. God knows how many they have in in storage. And you
0: don't have to mention it. You don't have to... uh, No, no. These
1: are self-reported statistics. So, there's no inspector going around, oh, you have this many... But even if they were to do that, who's yeah. to say that there could be another hundred thousand somewhere in yeah. the in the country that you don't even know about? Yeah, right. But basically, the agreement between Russia and America each year, or if, uh, I think it's made every couple of years, is to gradually dis, um, you know, disarm, dis, disarm uh, nuclear weapon stock stockpiles, mm. and slowly they've been reducing. Yeah. Um. So I think that's a good sign. It, it is. However. Um. Like I said earlier, like one nuclear weapon now is 10,000 times more powerful than the atomic bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, yeah. you know?
0: Do, do you think by any chance these weapons that are being created is sort of like a defense against people from another civilization in another planet, possibly, like aliens? We are sort of like preparing to defend, like people... Some people may th- know things that we don't. Yeah, they're sort of like preparing against an attack that could happen potentially in maybe a hundred years.
1: Um yeah, that 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 could make sense. Mm. I mean personally, I don't think that's the case. I think it's mainly due to posturing. It's mm. it's just an ego thing, right? Like yeah. I've got the bigger thing and you know, no, I have the bigger thing and, and that's it, you know, yeah. right? Um But you know, I, I think it's definitely good that we have that capability just in case. You know, yeah. But do
0: you think alien invasion is a possibility?
1: I'll put it this way. So, if if aliens say they find us, right? Mm. The fact that they've found us gives you an idea of how much more advanced they are than us. Yeah. Because they would be galaxies away, right? And the fact that they have that te- technology, I don't think nuclear weapons would even stand the chance, yeah. to be honest with you. Like, we ha- we've only kind of explored our solar system really and we've sent out probes to distant galaxies yeah right but the fact and we haven't been able to find any life forms Mm. within all our travel so just to give you an idea They would have had to have come from galaxies or millions of light years away. Yeah. And if they can find us, then we have no chance. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) You know,
0: um, I was listening to this podcast with Neil deGrasse Tyson, who is this... Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I know. yeah, yeah. And he was uh, talking about why aliens haven't shown themselves. Mm. And one of his theory is that we are so minuscule... We're Mm. so small that it's not worth their time.
1: Yeah, we're probably looked at as like a barbarian civilization, like caveman times. Exactly. Like seriously, they're still having wars. Like, what's up with that? Like, you know, is that that a car? Is that is that a car that's in
0: our museum? (laughs) But yeah, uh, very very interesting times, man. Like you said, we're we're in a very uh, complicated um, era as well. Like things we do now is going to impact our. Future
1: generations, exactly, and I think we're in, a, like you said, very important time. Mm. You know, and it, it all depends on which way we go, and it all depends on where that dooms doomsday clock is gonna gonna land. Yeah. You know,
0: well, we all hope for the best. Mm. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah, once the pandemic is over. Yeah, <clears throat> 2025. in twenty twenty five. In twenty twenty five. What What do you think? So do you, okay. Let me phrase this question this way. Yeah. Do you think this pandemic
1: is ever going to be over? Look, so to give you a bit of background and context, right? Let's mm. let's let's go let's go back a little. So let's look at the SARS epidemic, right? Yeah. And then you look at the bird flu um, epidemic as yep. well. Yeah. Um, These were kind of situations where they were dealt with rather quickly and, you know, you had a couple of thousand fatalities, which, you know, still bad. Yeah. However, um, you know, the COVID crisis is completely different Um, and the the virus has been shown to mutate extremely quickly, right? And this is a situation and I think Mm. the future situation is that it's going to be kind of like the flu, right? We're going to be getting yearly or, or, or... you know, you're um, going to be getting twice a year jabs for mm. um, COVID 19. Yeah. Because it keeps evolving. And right now, we've got the, you know, the major one is Delta variant, which came from India. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's kind of traveling around the world quite quickly. Um, and the fact that COVID 19 has so much resilience, like, you have to remember, Australia is very well positioned to tackle this pandemic you know purely for the fact that we're an island country we have no other countries around us right um and you know we have good governments and you know populations were quite compliant with COVID 19 Mm -hmm. rules and so we managed it quite well but even now like as we speak we have an outbreak in melbourne Mm. right Mm. um and there's been little outbreaks like you know all the way from perth to adelaide um And even in sydney as well yeah and so i think this will stay with us for some time yeah because that that virus just keeps mutating Mm. and it's and it's shown itself to be very resourceful and very resilient Mm. right
0: and i think that's one of the major the one of the biggest flaws of any vaccine Mm. and i think they consider the best vaccine to be the pfizer one yeah Uh, according to the tests it has gone through and the um level of efficacy as well But the major flaw is the fact that it it may not be able to cater towards all these variants.
1: Exactly. And I feel like we'll need to keep improving upon that vaccine to be able to, you know, um, tackle all those variants that are coming through. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the other thing to mention, and I think this is a very acute observation to make, one that we need to hear. Um, Now, let's go back to the plague, all right? So, back then, you had a situation whereby a disease was highly deadly and highly transmissible. Now, we haven't had that for a long time. And even COVID-19 has shown itself to be highly transmissible, but not very deadly. Like, people have died. I don't yeah. discount that. Yeah. Um, mainly those with compromised immune systems and the elderly. Hmm. Right. Um,
0: just to interrupt you there, not just that anymore. Like, the Indian variant. Yeah. That is... Uh, that has got people very healthy as well. Yeah, no, that's uh, people I've known. Yeah.
1: Well, this is what I mean. It keeps evolving. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So originally it didn't affect those people. But now it is affecting yeah. those people. Continue. Now the the situation here is that most of the recent ones, so like you know bird flu, you know, um, and the SARS epidemic, they've been quite mild, right? Mm. And they've been highly transmissible but not deadly. Mm. Now, it's only a matter of time until we get, and I don't want to like curse us or anything, but it's only a matter of time until we do get a plague-like disease where it's highly transmissible and highly deadly. Now, are we prepared for that scenario? Mm. And that's the real question you've got to ask yourself.
0: By the look of things, we are not. Mm. Mm.
1: But could you imagine if COVID-19 was highly deadly? Like most of the people that have had it have survived, right? Like Ebola, right? So, the thing with Ebola is that it was highly deadly but not very transmissible. transmissible. Mm. So, it was very hard. You literally had to, you know, touch blood to blood to be able to, you know, for it to be transmissible. But this is what I'm saying. So, most diseases tend to be one or the other. Now, Mm. the plague was a great example of where those two combined to create this super thing, right? Now, it's only a matter of time until this happens again. And this is what I'm trying to say. Like, are we prepared for that? Personally, I don't think we are, judging by how we've kind of dealt mm. with COVID-19. Um, but I think this is a, a big question for governments 100%. To, to kind of ask themselves and take a look and say, do we have the resources? Yeah. Are we prepared for this? Like, what do we do in such a scenario? Are there emergency scenarios mm. in which we can implement Um, Yeah, you know, strategic plans and and such. You know,
0: I feel like if it's a COVID 19 like virus or a pandemic that happens again, we would definitely be a bit more cautious Mm. of what to do because we've already managed that to to a certain extent in the past. Yeah, but if it's something entirely new, Mm. the way our society is structured, especially in Asia or other um, poorer countries where there's 12 people living in the same house as joint families, um, or very um poor nations in terms of health services it's it's yeah. going to be deadly
1: there's no 1.5 meter distance there. no <laughs> no there's no <laughs> way you can implement that yeah
0: uh, like my um i see these videos from my um from my hometown Kathmandu where uh, yeah. there's a lot of people like, there's a lockdown happening right now mm. but um a certain um time of the day you're allowed to go out and do your shopping yeah in your locality mm. uh, even though uh, localities are designated the The proximity of people. There's there's so many people. It's so dense that you just can't maintain that 1.5 social. No, it's impossible. Yeah. No, and these shops are small. Like if you go to an Asian grocery store, you'll see that the the aisles are very small and Mm. you bump into people. Yeah. And it's the same there. And imagine that every day during the pandemic. It's.
1: This is what I was trying to say. So like in Australia, we've been very lucky because like Mm. the the density per. You know, per person, per population is extremely small yeah. compared to other countries. Like, we have such a huge country and we only have 25, close to 30 million people yeah. right now, and which is nothing, nothing. right? Like, yeah. you look at the US, which is about the same size as Australia and has 300. 40 350 million people yeah Yeah. it's touching 350 now yeah Yeah, that's what i mean so it's Mm. like it's crazy yeah
0: that was a culture shock for me when i first came in 2016 Mm. i go into i go out into one of the suburbs uh, (laughs) and i'm like where are all the people (laughs) because i come from a city that's densely populated there's so many people around you all the time and you're living in um joint families Mm. there's always people around you You Can't get away from people, yeah, in in places like New Delhi or Kathmandu, yeah. But then here, I'm in a suburb and I can't see anyone for the (laughs) next 500 meters, and I'm like, wow, Uh, that that was that was culture shock.
1: I find that I found I had that culture shock moving from Melbourne to here. Mm. Like, I remember arriving, and I was like, literally, where are all the people? It wasn't until I got to Braddon on Lonsdale, so I was like, oh, this is where all the people are, yeah. But oh. like literally across the rest of the, the ACT place. there's like nobody around oh wow. for, for, you know? for
0: someone to move from Melbourne uh, to Canberra to feel that way yeah.
1: Wow. <laughs> yeah so I could imagine what it would feel like for oh, you it'd be yeah. it'd be much larger Oh
0: it was, it was crazy yeah but I sort of loved it because I had I felt so much like a sense of privacy. Yeah. And you can actually put your arms out. Yeah. <laughs> everywhere. Now, um, it's not to say that it's it's totally packed in Kathmandu, yeah. um, but it's just there's always people around you yeah. and you've got so much privacy out on the road here. Mm. But coming back to what you said about uh, preparation for um, a pandemic, a p- possible uh, pandemic, which we can't rule out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like we have focused on getting hand sanitizers mm. or maintaining this one and a half uh, meter social distancing yeah. and um, not traveling all the time if not required, mm. getting a vaccine as soon as possible, getting, getting a vaccine passports. Yes, we've done all of that. Uh, but I feel like there should be a way um, for governments or people in power to tell the public or tell the mass population that... It's important to hey. It's important to exercise. It's important to have healthy lungs. It's important to quit smoking. Mm. It's important to not drink so much, um, like an alcoholic. Or yeah. it's, it's important like to tumult. go out. <laughs> 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 it's important to go out. Yeah. Um, I feel like that is still missing. Mm. It's like we're sort of like um, trying to. It's 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 prevention, not
1: cure. Prevention is key yeah you know what they yeah. say have you heard of the saying like prevention is better than cure yeah 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 yeah
0: but we need a cure for, <laughs> yeah for uh, for potential pandemics yeah
1: yeah no definitely like i said it's it's a major issue i think governments around the world have yet to have a a, a good plan in place yeah. i mean thing about covid19 like i said it's you know highly transmissible low fatality rates but um you know the whole mask thing like that's not really a solution so like yeah. The mask thing is really to protect those already with COVID-19 against those that don't have it. Um, for those that are wearing it that don't have it, that expect not to get it, mm. that's not really a protection. No. You know what I mean? And so, these, this whole mask thing, it really means nothing. Yeah.
0: If you're not really um, working on the foundation. Correct. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And we, I think we just need resourcing. I think the Look, I think the channels for mass public communication are there. Mm. like you know people look on news on facebook on tv radio podcasts whatever like it's it's all there right Mm. um it's just a matter of getting the right message out there but also trying to make sure that we have a plan in place Mm. you know what i mean like a a whole country or statewide emergency plan in place yeah um For not a COVID-19 case, but for one that's significantly more deadly. Yeah. Like if you're getting people that are dropping left, right and center and you're having to put them into mass graves. Now, this happened, FYI, during the Black Plague. They literally had huge graves of people and they would just chuck bodies in there. They couldn't even do a proper funeral burial. They just chucked them in there.
0: And where was this again?
1: Oh, this was in Europe. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, In a place like Europe. And millions of people died yeah right, and the pe- and this is what I mean, like so many people were dying so quickly that they didn't have time to even do the funerals. Yeah. So they literally just chucked them in there. yeah um, so like I said, I don't think we're prepared for that. No, we are definitely not because like I said, we're not prepared for mass casualties. we're prepared for um, COVID-19 like yeah you know or like, like you know SARS and things like that. but once a serious one comes through, then we're going to have oh, issues sure. both, yeah you know? have you been vaccinated? No. So, like, the thing about that is, you know, what's happening in Australia right now is they're going by age brackets. Mm -hmm. So, it was like, you know, the over 60s, 70s. Um, At this stage, in the ACT, um, it's from 40 to 50 year olds. And now that's going to go lower the next stage. So, I think... I'm 29, so I'm going so to be next. I'll probably be next or, or the one after that, I yeah. think. Um, I'm coming up to a big milestone. Uh, do you think three zero? Yeah.
0: <laughs> I apologize. When's your birthday again? I don't think you've ever told me.
1: I keep forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to tell you. <laughs> oh. No, you're wrong. It's well, you know, December. It, it, December. December the sixth. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Yes, crazy. now remember. Think yeah. of Christmas and you can think of me. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Christmas <laughs> is way too
0: far. Um, but yeah, um, uh, my question was, yeah, have you been vaccinated? The reason I was asking is because yeah. um, I know you as a person who wants to travel quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, and you want to go um, to places you've never been to. Yeah. Some uh, all, all of us, we travel, but I feel like you have this um, sense of wonder about places that you mm. want to go to. Mm. When's your Where's your next destination in terms of international travel?
1: Oh, So, I've always said I've wanted to go back to Europe and explore countries that I haven't done yet. Mm. But I think I want to explore countries that are closer to home. Mm. So, like, originally, I did have a plan before COVID-19 to see um, I mean, you know. Southeast Asia. So, like, Vietnam, mm-hmm. Laos, Thailand, um, and even Indonesia and Bali. And when COVID 19 happened, I had to put those plans away. Yeah. Um, but I definitely want to explore that country and I, uh, country, countries, and I want to see the differences between that and Europe. Yeah. You know, and I also hear the food's really good in Southeast Asia. So oh. being a Melbournean, <laughs> it's just natural for me to think about that. 100%. You
0: know? <laughs> there's a joke that, um, there, there's an inside joke. Every time Eddie says that he's from Melbourne or he mentions Melbourne food, we, we take a shot.
1: Yeah. <laughs> FYI, they're all drunk. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're
0: not. Where's your drink?
1: Oh, yeah, I think I did a refill, actually. Uh, I've done there's, this. There's quite a few over there. Oh, oh lovely. Oh, here we go.
0: Jeez, mate. Yeah, um, so you, you'd mostly want to travel around Australia first.
1: Australia? Yeah, yeah. look, I've traveled to quite a few places in, in Australia. I think I've been along the whole um, East Coast mm. pretty much. Um, and the next trip um, that we're going to is in Cairns, actually. Oh, mm. uh, yeah, yeah, in September. So th- that'll be the furthest that I've gone before. Because prior to that, I've done the Great Barrier Reef and yeah. I've done the Whitside Sunday Islands and all that and that was quite amazing. Yeah. Um, WA, I've yet to do. It's definitely on my list. Mm. Um, love to see Perth because um, I've got my sister and her family living down there as well. Yeah. So, it'd be lovely to see that. And I also hear that Perth has the best beaches in Australia. So really?
0: <laughs> I thought it was Sydney. Yeah,
1: yeah. No no offense <laughs> to sydney side, <laughs> but yeah, like Western Australia has pristine beaches. Yeah. Like, you know... I've,
0: lot of <laughs> uh, i feel like um perth is quieter than canberra for some reason no, it's,
1: it's very far well obviously, i've heard comparisons being made between yeah. perth and canberra yeah uh, so i've heard
0: as well mm. and uh, obviously the population's like what 600,000 yeah perth.
1: something like oh, that, it? that yeah I, th- I think
0: it's not it's not very high it's yeah. not Correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe it's six hundred thousand. I'm not too really sure, but yeah. um, I've heard it's very quiet. Mm. But I'm very, uh, I'm very looking forward to the Can strip.
1: Yeah, me too, man. It should be good. I think we'll have a great time. Yeah. Have you ever been that far north? No, or? never.
0: So I've been to Melbourne. I've yeah. been to um, Canberra, obviously, before mm. uh, when I was living in Sydney. Mm. Um, I've been to Brisbane, yeah, uh, the city, but not to Cairns. Okay, I've never yeah. been to Cairns either. Really. So. Uh, but the great barrier reef great
1: is. barrier reef is um where the witch sundays are oh, okay. so that's about a few hours before Cannes.
0: Well, what was that again really two, million oh, the- two million. sorry i stand corrected not <laughs> i think <laughs> perth city the, the uh, greater perth area is 6, oh 000. the city yeah. city of perth maybe yeah.
1: yeah so maybe the regional including the regional it's probably close to two million yeah, yeah.
0: But yeah, that should be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Me too, uh, man. Can't yeah. wait. It should be because, really good. Yeah. I went to the airport uh, about a month ago uh, for work purposes. I was flying to Sydney yep. and it felt so incredibly good to be there. Mm. I just loved it. It's like you enter a place um, that you've always taken for granted. Yeah. Right? And mm. then now you're there, you're flying again. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting freedom to a certain extent.
1: It feels exciting, doesn't it? Like it, it every does, yeah. time I'm at an airport now, I get really excited. I'm like, "Oh my god, even if I'm flying just to Melbourne and back, yeah. I get excited." Exactly. I'm just like, "Wow, I'm actually flying to a you know a place and it's really good." And
0: That's because you're getting this sense of freedom to yes. a, to a certain extent. You're like, you know, yep. at least I can fly. Mm. At least I could use my passport or your IDs and get on a plane and go somewhere. That's right, yeah. Which has not been the part of the case, which has not been a possibility because of the virus.
1: No. Yeah that's true and i think as borders gradually open up um i think the security protocols are going to be a lot stricter and i think you know and this is just me making a bold prediction but i think it's gonna be a situation where a lot of countries won't let you win unless you've had a vaccine yeah and i think that makes sense right? that's gonna be um, another
0: thing like a vaccine passport or mm, a vaccination card
1: yeah yeah to demonstrate that you've had it yeah because you need some sort of proof right mm. like a receipt or something yeah yeah
0: it's like you've had these jabs so i'm safe to enter the country mm. even though the virus may or may not be effective yeah but at least it could be a form of a um a standard that
1: you've got to yeah. have before you go anywhere and this is the thing like this opens up a whole new can of worms because mm. now you're going to get naturally in mm. countries wealthy countries you're going to get immigrants that want to you know be refugees and fly there for a better life right or or by boat or whatever and you're going to get a situation where they're going to be forging those receipts or vaccine passports just yeah. to be able to get into the country Precisely. so that's another thing about governments to kind of think about mm. and put on their agenda there's so many
0: red tapes yeah and i feel yeah. like slowly you know how we had this conversation the other day where when you said hey you know what let's go to europe let's go to u.s and Mm, canada mm. and i said hey man that's too much for my (laughs) nepali passport to handle because if i as a nepali with a nepali passport have to travel to the u.s i have to apply for visas six or seven months in advance oh wow then go for an interview and then fill up these forms yeah but you however you can just pick up a bag and then just go right
1: Yeah. yeah um and you I have like to marry an Aussie girl. Though, <laughs> probably <know>. not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't see that happening. But,
0: um, but uh, like you said, it's opening like a uh, can of worms because it seems like it's making it easier for a certain population to do things yeah. Yeah, or to travel around mm whereas the rest of the world is still in the same state. Yeah. Like we have so many rules and regulations and we've sort of gone past the COVID pandemic um, mm. craze. But uh, the rest of the world, rest of Asia is still um, there. Like yeah. there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of um, problems out there. Mm. And the virus is still there. People are still dying. Yeah. But we don't know because obviously it's not as uh, prevalent here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it's it's gonna be like there's more red tape and people trying to dodge the system mm. and go
1: around. This is yeah, this is the thing to think about. Like it's it's just a matter of time. And I, I think those vaccine passports will come sooner or later. Mm. Um and yeah, it's just something for, for you know, countries to think about. Yeah, you
0: know. Are you ready to um have international guests at your Airbnb?
1: yeah definitely i'll be interested to hear their stories like i had a um a recent taiwanese backpacker uh-huh. who traveled around the world oh really and she was telling me these amazing stories about when she went to europe and us and even antarctica yeah. and nepal as well really? and she's been around the world literally by backpack mm-hmm. and we had some great conversations and it's just that's the thing about love about airbnb um just going back to that conversation that we had mm-hmm. um you meet so many interesting people and they tell you their stories. They share things with you that, you know, that you don't know. And you share things with them that they don't know about you. And you develop a bit of a relationship, like a connection, right? And some yeah. of those connections don't last. Like that Taiwanese backpacker, like, you know, we shared some great stories, but we don't keep in touch, no. right? And, you know, it's only the very special people that you kind of keep in touch. And one, one of those I should mention is Sahil, the Ooh. lovely guy sitting next to me. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, you meet a lot of interesting people and um, it's the ones that you forge a lasting relationship that you're going to yeah. remember. And I, and I think you, Sahil, came into a, a very important time in my life. Yeah. Um, when I was going through a lot and, you know... I just wanted to say on air that, you know, he's been a great guy. Like, you know, he he helped me when he didn't even have a a car himself and he used to offer to like, you know, get groceries for me and, you know, he was just and he bought me a little gift like that onion slicer thing which is really cute and I was very touched by that. So, yeah, I just just think he's a great guy and I just wanted to say thank you for being an awesome guy and awesome friend. Um, and I really do appreciate that and um, thanks man I I think we had some really touching conversations about, you know exes and things like that and relationships and I think it's really good to share that because that's how connections are born yeah connections are born by sharing intimate parts of yourselves to other people and, and that's how you kind of yeah. you know, build that that kind of rapport with someone. Yeah. So. And
0: it's even easier when the other person's not judging you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like you both need to be open to the experience, Yeah, you know, so...
0: And you can sort of, um, you know, a, a lot of times you can tell when the other person's judging you or not. Mm. Um, and yeah, like you said, it's uh, if it's the right person, if it's yeah. an open-minded person such as yourself, yeah, um, then it just makes it easier. Mm. And uh, do you think... That it's easier to talk to people who have traveled?
1: Yes, I would 100% agree with that because people who have traveled, from my experience, they're much more open. And like you'll start a conversation, they'll be like, oh yeah, I've been to that place. Oh, there's a similar place in yeah. Hong Kong or blah, blah. But it also did this and that and that. And so people that travel more have more stories to share. Yeah. And because they have more stories to share, they're more interesting yeah, you know, particularly in like social situations, and you know,
0: exactly, and they ask you questions as well. Exactly, they try and relate it. To yeah, you.
1: that's right. So they make all these natural connections. So I think well-traveled people are people that you want to know. Yeah, and you know? I, I
0: feel like traveling makes you humble as well, mm. because when you're in a new place, yeah. uh, your mind is in a, in a in an open state, as in you're open to information. You're you're curious. You're a bit anxious. Yeah, you're looking around. And you want to talk to new people you want to make new friends and you're in a very vulnerable state Yeah, and that just makes a better communicator in my opinion and mm. that just makes a better human being not just a communicator mm. uh, that just makes people more approachable and that's what I love about Airbnb as a concept mm. and especially uh um, you know living with you for 28 days i've seen how you organize the place yeah. um and uh, if anyone wants to look up um, eddie's airbnb just go and search for him on airbnb itself <laughs> <laughs> maybe let's not mention the address but uh, <laughs> uh he's got a beautiful place um, in belconnen uh, in canberra if you're visiting canberra um, make sure you check belconnen uh, it's in page um, eddie's place it's amazing um, but yeah, um, I love the concept of Airbnb so much. Yeah, it's like Airbnb as a company—they don't really have any inventory, or they don't—they don't have a warehouse. They don't mm. have goods. They don't have buildings. It's, it's yeah. not a hotel. Mm. It's like Uber for hotels.
1: Yeah. So this is all part of the sharing economy. So Uber, Airbnb—you know, Lyft—all these new companies—they're revolution revolutionizing the way economies work, mm. and it's not based on any physical assets. It's it's purely due to, um, you know, connections that are formed. Yeah. Between, um, so for example, you know, you you see the automobile space with Uber, right? Like Mm. it's based on a rating system essentially and you both rate each other. And so that's how accountability is taken care of.
0: It's like, um, if you treat me well, then you get a certain reward as a rating. So you treat me well.
1: Exactly. And like- to give you an idea of um, regulated versus non-regulated industries, excuse me, um, taxi industry, it's highly regulated. Mm-hmm. Like There's all these rules about you know what you can and can't do. As a taxi driver, you need to have a certain qualification. You need to do training, blah, 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 etc. etc. right? Mm-hmm. Now, as an Uber driver, you don't really need to do this. All you need to do is a, um, have a driver's license basically and you're pretty much good to go. Sign an Uber waiver form, you're good to yeah. go. And the thing is what I've found is that uber drivers are a lot more nicer mm-hmm. they'll offer you a you know a, a bottle of water or gum and they're you know more approachable to conversation they're more nicer and the reasons for that is through that five star um, rating system that's it which taxi drivers don't have mm-hmm. and so you, if you if you want to report a complaint or an issue about a taxi driver you need to ring up the company itself then you've got to make sure you get the name and the if you remember the the driver's license plate, you know, the registration plate and all that. Yeah. And it's a really hassle to actually get anything done.
0: And they're not gonna even gonna listen to you.
1: And most of the times, you know, they won't even follow up. No. Nah. Whereas if, if you're an Uber driver and you get a bad rating, you're really upset by that and you're gonna do whatever you can to make sure that your rating is gonna get higher. Yeah. And the thing is when you're a when you're below a certain uber rating you actually don't get any more rides Mm. you're banned for a certain period of time or something yeah Yeah. that's right
0: yeah but even then even 3.5 or even four as a rating Mm. is uh, i consider that um to be low to be honest because uh, anything above 4.5 is good yeah because i've never seen anyone go um, below four
1: yeah no that's true and i think the key point to make here is that sometimes in situations such as in the sharing economy Unregulated industries on or, you know, um, industries that aren't as well regulated as others can actually function a lot better.
0: Oh, it's, really?
1: Yeah. So, that's the example that I was giving. So, Uber is not really regulated to, to the same extent as taxi. Mm-hmm. Taxis are in Australia. Yet, they function a lot better. They're more popular. And the five-star rating system works. Yeah. Now, that five-star rating is not imposed by the government. It's imposed by Uber itself. So the fact that a private company can manage its affairs even better than the government can regulate a taxi industry just shows Mm. that, you know, regulation in and of itself might need to be looked at in a different way into the future. Yeah,
0: so so what you're saying is the taxi organization that's regulated by the government, that's highly regulated by the government, has now started functioning better because of Uber.
1: Well, that... And the competition. Well, I don't know if I'd go to that point. Um, I would say there is competition. I Mm. I don't think the tax industry has improved. Mm. I think it's improved in the sense that fares are a little bit more competitive now because of the entrance of of, of ride-sharing companies entering the market. Mm. And so, naturally, you do have that competition there. Um, But I think in terms of, you know... um, You know, common courtesy and such. um, I I still think Uber drivers provide a much better service.
0: Definitely, and the only reason, like you said as well, is because of those the rating system. Yeah, that is so important. And the same goes with the passenger as well. Yeah, like even you're rated. Yeah, and the fact that, and I don't think you can get a ride if your ratings low. You'll be banned from the app, or you don't get as many uh, rides. Yeah, so
1: it works both ways. So the great thing about that system is that. You know, both parties are accountable for their Mm. actions. And so, naturally, you extend that to the Airbnb situation. You both want to be good, right? Yeah. As a host, you want to provide the best possible experience for your guest. And as a guest, you want to make sure you don't trash the place. You're going to keep it nice because they're going to rate you too. Yeah. And if you get a bad rating, then no other host is going to want to keep you. Yeah. They're going to say no, you know what I mean? So, Mm. it works both ways. And like I said, like, Airbnb is not regulated at all in Australia, Mm. but it works really well. Hotels are highly regulated in Australia, right? Yet Airbnbs are a lot cheaper and they work a lot better. Yeah. So, this is what I'm trying to say about regulation. So, sometimes regulation, it might not just be less regulation, but it's a new way of thinking about regulation into the future, Mm. you know? And those are great examples. Like I said, Airbnb not regulated at all, yet it works extremely well. It does you know, like
0: take an example of us planning for the can strip, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I thought about it the other day, and we were looking for accommodation for the place and we never even once mentioned hotels. Mm. Never, even once. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah, I hadn't even we noticed that. We kept saying Airbnb, Airbnb, Airbnb.
1: That's yeah. a good point, yeah.
0: We never even once said, hey, maybe hotels are cheaper
1: yeah. or has anyone looked at hotels? We just assumed, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. we
0: just thought, okay, let's go for Airbnb because yeah. everyone here has had great experiences in Airbnbs, Exactly, but not the same in hotels.
1: That's true, right? And and the other thing is, like it's hard to create a share situation in a hotel. Normally, it's like completely separate rooms. Yeah. So, you wouldn't be in the same space. But now, you can rent out an entire home mm-hmm. for like a group of people, which is what we've done, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people naturally assume that, you know, that's a better way of doing things. If you have your own house, you're more at ease, you don't have to worry about hotel maids, et cetera. Yeah. You know, um, and I think it just, it's just a new way of looking at the future in terms of sharing accommodation, mm. you know.
0: You know what could be the future? This rating that we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> Have you watched
1: Black Mirror? Yes. You know where I'm going? Yes, I do know where you're going. <laughs> yes, If yes.
0: everyone in real life gets a rating system, mm. that's going to be so bad.
1: So, want to know an interesting fact? Uh-huh. Another one? Yeah. In China, they've actually adopted Ooh, yeah. this... Um, I saw it on the news. Yeah, star rating system. So... It's not to the same morbid extent as Dark Mirror, Mm. as that episode. However, it does affect your ability to even book a plane ticket. So, if your rating is like really low, you Mm. can't book a plane ticket. You can't book a train ticket. You're barred from leaving the country. Yeah. Like, there are all these rules imposed once you reach a certain low rating. Yeah. Now, we don't have that in Australia. You could you could be like the worst citizen in the world. However, you still have the freedom to book a plane ticket or a train Precisely, ticket or whatever. Yeah. Yet in China, you're banned for being a bad citizen. Is it already in, in effect? It's in effect, not in the whole country. However, in a few provinces, I think we are doing trial up. periods right yeah. now.
0: That's gonna be so bad, man.
1: Yeah, it's I'm, like yeah. We have
0: prisons and we have uh, these laws. Just so people don't commit crimes, yeah. and people who do commit crimes and they're caught mm. or prosecuted, they're in jails. Yeah. And that system, I feel like it—it's not perfect, but it works. Mm. The theory of that works, yeah. and the people who uh, haven't committed crimes, like us, um, we can go around and we can sort of hope for a better society. Mm. But the fact that if you—if I don't like you as a person because you speak the truth, yeah. I'm gonna give you a one star, Mm. and you can't get a plane to um, God fuck, I don't know where. I don't know where. Yeah, that's not gonna be
1: good. Well, this is the thing, like you know, um, it takes the power out of your hands. You know what I mean? To be able to lead a free life. You know, Um, which I think is really sad because situations like that in China mean that you have less freedom as a person, and it means that. You know, you need to be really careful about how you approach your life. Yeah. Um, And I I feel like you'd have a lot of paranoia and... You'd be really worried about, oh, I can't do that, I can't do that. In Australia, you have complete freedom.
0: Precisely. And that destroys the concept of individual differences. It does, yeah. And the world functions so much better because we are different. Mm. You and I are completely different. Tom is completely different. He's a fuckwit.
1: But even (laughs) then, we love him, right? (laughs) Yeah. She's falling asleep over there, (laughs) look at it.
0: But uh, we we love each other, even though we're so different as human beings, right? Yeah. And the fact that you're sort of, if that ever happens, now that's, Mm. um, you know, that's a thing of the future. It could happen, like you said.
1: Um, (laughs) I'm still laughing at that. (laughs) (laughs) That was great. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You Once in a while, I I have a nap. Uh That was a zinger. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, but yeah, it's uh, that if uh, if it ever becomes a reality in uh, a mass scale, yeah, that's uh, it destroys the concept of individual differences.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It seems scary, doesn't it? Like, it does, the concept. Yeah. yeah. But going back to that conversation you talked about, yeah, you know, look, our, our laws kind of work hmm. in a certain way.
0: Thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. That was the end of part one of episode number 19. The part two will be out shortly. Thank you for listening once again, and please enjoy the rest of your week.